Anybody ever felt like life is hard? <laughs> um, like it's a, it's a battle. Anybody ever been exhausted just because you woke up and went to bed on the same day? <laughs> like, uh, with a number of things in between. Um, life it is beautiful. It's a gift, but it's also hard. We battle through a lot of chaos, and, and sometimes we even might say that life feels like a battle. Um, any number of stressors can impact us. Uh, health situations, financial situations, relationships, jobs. Um, heck, even getting ready to go on vacation is, can wear us out. Uh, and sometimes the busiest of vacation, we are just so happy to come home. Um, we find ways to fight against ourselves, I, I, I think. But, but it's true that in this broken world, in our broken bodies, in our broken lives, life feels like a battle. Oftentimes. As beautiful as it is, and as much as we savor those moments that are just awesome, we also get worn out. And so as we uh, draw our attention to Isaiah chapters 31 and 32 today, where Isaiah is continuing to call out to God's people who experience life as a very real battle. Like they are preparing for a battle where a neighboring nation is going to come and try to overtake them. And they think that the nation is bigger than they are, stronger than they are, and they're not sure what to do. We certainly feel uh, those kinds of battles nationally, at, at least as we kind of look at the chaos of our current political environment and all that stuff. We can feel the weight of those things nationally as well. But uh, for us in these days, I think most of the time we experience those battles on, on personal and family levels, uh, but we also see it globally and culturally and all those things. There are battles on all kinds of layers in our lives. And so I think we receive some important and helpful reminders in our, uh, in our text today from Isaiah 31 verse 8 uh, through 32 verse 8. We've got about 10 verses that we're going to read through today that that I think uh, kind of capture some things that are helpful for us as we are fighting our own battles. So let's pray, and then we'll read the text. It will be on the screen as well as in your Bibles. Father God, we come before you today, and we do give you praise because you are great and mighty. You are among us, and there is no one like you. You are the only one worthy of our worship, and so we pray that as we reflect on your word today, that you would meet us, that you would speak to us, that you would prepare us to be challenged by your word and encouraged as well. You know what we need. You know what we're going through. And as we reflect on this text together, we pray that you would speak into the uniqueness of each of our situations. That you would call us close to you as you've called your people Israel to turn to you and to trust you we need that message too, and we pray that you would help us see 
in this text what you have declared you would do. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 31, starting at verse 8. Going, <clears throat> Assyria will fall by no human sword. A sword not of mortals will devour them. They will flee before the sword, and their young men will be put to forced labor. Their stronghold will fall because of terror at the sight of the battle standard of their commanders will panic. Sorry. At the sight of the, ba the battle standard, their commanders will panic, declares the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, whose furnace is in Jerusalem. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. For fools speak folly. Their hearts are bent on evil. Their practice, they practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. The, the hungry they leave empty, and from the thirsty they withhold water. Scoundrels use wicked methods. They make up evil schemes and destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. So, as I mentioned, I, I think there are a few reminders from this text that are helpful. We're going to kind of start at the beginning, go to the end, and then end in the middle, all right? Just so you're, you're ready for that ride. Um, but the first reminder for us uh, as we think about these first couple of verses, is that our battles are often more spiritual than they appear. We rely on the Lord. Now, we've heard multiple times as we've talked about Israel and the predicament that they're in is uh, they look at this imminent threat of Assyria, this giant nation, strong and ruthless, coming in to overtake them. And they're just scurrying. They're trying to figure out what can we do to make ourselves stronger, to feel more secure, to feel safe. And they're, God is calling out to them and saying, you keep trying all these earthly solutions, all these earthly schemes, and all those things may make sense, but it's not the best option. Turn instead, at least turn first, to me, your creator, your protector, your defender, the one who made you and is over all things. Turn to the Lord. Now there are a number of verses up here that remind us. Uh, for instance, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, uh, I had it memorized earlier this morning while I was practicing, but uh, it says, So now we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we're reminded that our, our battles are more spiritual than they appear. As we go through the grind of our daily lives, as we 
embrace the stresses as we experience the stresses. We know that they all have earthly ramifications and there are earthly solutions. There are things that we need to do that we're responsible to plan and to prepare and to respond in earthly ways. But there's a spiritual dimension to all the things that we're experiencing that's deeper and maybe even more real. Uh, just this morning, uh, my day didn't start the way that I, was, that I intended it to. Uh, and, and Aaron Spinas didn't either. And we got together to pray for the services this morning. And we were just like, and I felt myself starting to scheme. And I felt the anxiety starting to rise in me. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Maybe I should apply the things that I'm about to say. Uh, so I'm not an expert at it, but I know it's true. Um, there are times when our instinct is just to react. But we're invited to respond, to take a breath, say a prayer, remember who God is, and to have a conversation with him about what might be going on that we can't see, that we don't recognize. Lord, I don't know if this is a spiritual battle, a spiritual attack right now, or if it's just the culmination of sinful choices that I made leading up to this moment. But whatever it is, I know you're here. I know you're with me, and I know you can redeem this moment, that you want to use it for something to grow faith in me. Maybe there's something you need me to learn, and this conflict is drawing my attention to it. So before I just react, I want to step into the presence of the Lord, turn to him and say, Lord, whatever happens, I know I belong to you and I'm safe with you. I know you have plans that go far beyond what I might anticipate in this moment. So I know there are things that I'm going to have to do, things that I'm going to have to plan, ways that I'm going to have to respond and uh, but I want to do those things as you guide me. I want to do those things, not in anxious reaction, but in confident submission to who you are and how you've called me to live. In addition to these verses, there are a couple others that came to mind after I made the slide and print, had the bulletin printed. But, uh, you know, second, sorry, first Peter Chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, remind us that our enemy, the devil, is prowling around looking for someone to devour. And in our exhaustion from the earthly battles that we fight, when we're tired, we're facing conflict, we're stressed at work, we're just stressed in life, whatever it is, it weakens us, weakens us, and it narrows our focus. As we get more stressed and more worn out, we get more reactive. And it becomes increasingly important for us to step back, breathe, and remind ourselves of whose we are, that God really is with us, and he's at work. To remind ourselves of the truth of who he is and who we are in relationship with him.
so that we can respond as his people and not just in earthly scheming. Because in these first verses, God declares that the enemy his people are afraid of will be defeated, and he makes it very clear that what will defeat them is not human swords, but his very power and intervention. And so as we face all these real earthly battles, obviously when Assyria comes, it's going to cost people their livelihood. It's going to be painful. Our earthly lives are real, and they have significance. But there's a spiritual dimension to everything that we experience that calls for our attention. And God says, whatever you're going through, call to me. Rely on me, turn to me, because I am your source of strength, and I know exactly how to handle the battle that you're facing in this moment. Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against all these spiritual forces that are mounted against God and his people. And so we want to turn to the source of our true power to remind ourselves that he's with us and we belong to him and to seek his wisdom and discernment as we enter into this battle. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we're also reminded that these spiritual implications of our earthly battles matter. They have huge significance. In fact, Peter reminds the, peop- his, the recipients of his letter and God reminds us through his letter that God values our faith so much that he is willing to use these earthly battles and these situations in our lives to refine our faith because our faith, our relationship with him, is of utmost importance. That he wants to refine it because it's more valuable than the most precious refined metal. At that time, the best one they could think of was super refined gold. Now we've created even better things. But God says, whatever earthly value you can find in anything, whatever you would like mark as the dream for you to achieve and have, God says way more valuable than that is our relationship with him. And so in every circumstance, he is working to refine us and to draw us close to him and to train us to find ourselves in him. Our battles are more spiritual than they appear. We can rely on the Lord. He invites us to rely on him. It's what we were made to do. And we will endure the battle and get through it in a better way, at least with improved character, uh, as we rely on him. Second, we see that when fighting through our earthly battles, the ends do not justify the means. In this long section at the end, uh, where it's talking about fools and scoundrels and noble people, um, it's important, first of all, for us to remember that, biblically speaking, fools are not people who don't understand things. In the biblical context, fools are people who have rejected God. Okay? And scoundrels uh, are just what they sound like. Uh, they're just nasty people with malicious motives. All right? 
And so we hear that on earth, in the chaos that we live in, fools are often called noble. Though they have rejected God, and they don't live in the context of understanding how great and mighty and superior God is, still they do things that people respect and admire, and they get all this attention, and even though they don't do what God has called us to do, they are often considered noble in earthly contexts. Also, there are scoundrels who have nasty motives. They look out for themselves. They want to accomplish deceptive and nasty things. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. But sometimes in our world, those people get elevated because we kind of miss what they're really after or just because they have power in our our earthly minds are drawn to think, oh, if I could just be near that power, that would be really good for me. It would feel safer if I were near, if I could trust the people with earthly power. But God says he's going to make all things right. And when he comes and resolves the conflict, ultimately, then no longer will the fools be considered noble. No longer will the scoundrels be considered noble. Then it will be the way it ought to be. The noble make noble plans, and by their noble deeds, they stand. In our instinctive reaction to our battles, we are drawn to the sense of security and safety. We just look to whatever will help us feel better as quickly as possible. It takes great discipline to separate ourselves from that. It's just instinctive. It's built into our old nature. Our bodies know that's the way things happen on earth. And it takes us accessing our spirit and our identity in Christ in order to find a new way. And so it's important for us to remember that as God's people, the ends do not justify the means. If we use poor, deceptive, evil schemes on earth in order to accomplish good for ourselves or even good that we think will come to the body of Christ, we want to use these earthly schemes for a great godly good. Sometimes we believe it's possible. But God reminds us that the ends do not justify the means. He calls us to trust in him and to follow his way. In Titus uh, chapter 2, verses... <laughs> Titus, there it is. You'd think I could just read the name, but... Um, I'm very compartmentalized. It's hard for me to talk and do something else at the same time. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. 
it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel and the grace of God are so powerful that they don't just reassure us when things go bad. It's not just when we recognize our sin that we turn to God and experience grace, but God is actually, by his grace, making us strong as his people. Because he loves us so deeply and we know that we don't deserve it, we find this incredible security in our relationship with him. And when we recognize how deep his love is for us and the extent he's gone to rescue us, we feel really secure. And as we practice that again and again, like we know it, and it doesn't, it doesn't change. It's not like it gets more strong in truth as we live, but as we practice that again and again, as we go to the Lord and confess our sin and experience the blessing of his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy again, when we experience that happening again and again, that it's really always true, then it really does increase the way we experience that truth and the depth of experience that we have in our relationship with God. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, because when we turn to the Lord and rely on him, when we see what he has done for us and what he wants to do in and through us still, then we can let go of the scheming of the world and those quick human reactions because we know in him we're safe and he will take care of us. And we may not know how it's going to, it's not like our faith suddenly becomes perfect in each of those moments. And we just know, oh, I don't have to be stressed about any of this stuff anymore. But we get to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I know you said I don't have to be anxious about anything because you're that awesome. But you know that I feel all this anxiety in me because I don't know how this is going to play out. But I know that in you I'm safe and secure. You are enough for me. I know that however this plays out, even if it's really hard, even if it doesn't get solved in a way that feels peaceful to me. I know you will ultimately bring me safely into your kingdom. But I know that even now, in the midst of this battle, as chaotic as it is, as hard as it is, as exhausting as it is, as defeated as I might feel, I know you are with me every step of the way. Help that be enough for me. And help me be aware of what you're doing so that I can trust you even more. God's grace teaches us because, to say no to ungodliness because it's so good to be in the presence of the Lord who loves us and saves us. So when fighting our earthly battles, the ends do not justify the means. There's grace for us when we react and make poor choices. But it's important for us to recognize as God's people, he wants more 
for us. He wants to give us all of himself. He wants to change the situation. And he can do that when we turn to him, repent of our sin, acknowledge our instincts, say, Lord, I didn't even catch it. I started to do that thing that I always do, and you know it. But I just thank you that I didn't go all the way with it this time. Thanks for helping me recognize it and turn to you. It's not always easy to turn to you, Lord, and I don't know why, because you always greet me with love and grace. But just, I thank you for drawing my attention to you and just help me be strong because I don't feel any stronger right now. But I know you have the strength I need. And finally, uh, there are these great couple verses at the beginning of chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 32. Um, It says, See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind, and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. King Jesus makes things right. His life in us brings hope to others. As we fight our battle, and let's be honest, it's usually multiple battles on multiple levels at all times, right? It's just that in moments we feel peace and rest from them. But they kind of surround us all around. Sorry, I'm wrestling with whether I should interrupt myself to say other things. (laughs) But I'm going to say no. Uh, See, a king will reign in righteousness. Assyria will be defeated. The threats that you're facing will be put away, but not by human wisdom and not by human weapons. The tools that you react to, that you think will help you feel safe, are not the ones, but the Lord will do it. The Lord is capable and able and even desires to step in and guard and protect us. As Isaiah calls to his people, and this passage just says hints of that messianic hope that Jesus is coming. But on this side of history, we can look back and know that Jesus is this king who came to make all things right. He will reign in righteousness, and he reigns even now. But there's this beauty to this picture in knowing Jesus that he didn't come just as a king with power that would conquer all the other powers. 
But he came as a humble servant. King, no less. But he came as a humble servant. He comes as a king, not that just demands that we give assent to him and submit to him, though he invites us to do those things because it's better for us. But he actually came and entered our lives as we experience it. He experienced the battle. Hebrews tells us he was tempted in every way that we are. But he was without sin. We can trust him. He knows how to do this. And so he comes as a king who doesn't just demand that we trust him more than the other kings, though he does. Like, that's what we get to do because he is greater and stronger than the other kings. But he enters into our experience and comes right alongside us and says, you can walk with me through this because I'll be with you through all of it. He doesn't just come to assert his power. He comes to come alongside us and give us strength and encouragement along the way. He came to be with us. So our calling as we wrestle through our battles isn't just to make sure we do it right. That we do it for him. That we do it with purpose. But instead, he invites us to enter into our battles with him. Acknowledging that he goes with us right by our side. And that he knows when it's time for him to stand in front and defend us. When it's just time for him to walk alongside us and encourage us. And when he needs to be behind us and just kind of like, yeah, you can keep going. And the beauty of, of it is that he has the ability to do all those things all the time. King Jesus comes and makes things right, but he's not just a king that demands that we submit to him more than the other ones. He's a king that comes right alongside us and goes through the battle with us. He doesn't just arm us so that we can fight the battle. He arms us and says, I am your armor. I am your strength. Rely on me. I'm with you. And as we trust in him, we receive peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense to people who only know how things work on earth. We can experience peace even before the battle is resolved because we know who we belong to and that he is fighting our battles with us. And not only is he fighting our battles, but he's already won the war. We're just waiting for that to be realized for the time that we live in to match the time where it's already accomplished. But we know he already took care of all of it. And when we experience that, and we go through our battles with the Lord, we get to become co-rulers in justice with the Lord. Each one, and these awesome things happen, each one, each of God's people, partnered with him, finding themselves in him, will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, in the shadow 
of a great rock in a thirsty land. When we trust in the Lord in the midst of our battles, and we find that peace in ourselves, and we interact with other people around us in our circles of influence, they find peace in their storm too. They see this peace in us and they think, oh, I wish I had that in my life. We become encouragers. We become, just as Jesus said, we would shine like the light of the world. We wouldn't be hidden under a bushel, but we, we light a lamp and we hold it high on the hill. And we don't even have to work that hard to do that sometimes. Uh, you know, it's a battle always, yes. But when we rely on the Lord, when we turn to the Lord in the midst of our battles and allow him to walk with us through it, we follow where he leads, and we implement the things that he has called us to, we experience peace in our relationship with God and peace in the midst of our battle, whether it feels won and resolved or not. And when we do that, and we talk to other people about what we're experiencing, and the fact that it, we turn to prayer before we turn to our lender, we might still need to go to the lender, but we had wisdom in knowing that God led us to that solution. Okay? Like, I don't know, that was just a random thing, but a practical piece. That's, that's all that means, just in case it didn't make sense in the sinews of my brain to yours. Uh, whatever practical solutions there are, we know that they are not ultimately the answer. The answer is that we turn to the Lord and we trust him and he guides us and we follow where he leads. And when we do that, we get to live as his witnesses, as his ambassadors, representing him to other people, saying, I know the one who can rescue you in your battle. And as people experience, just get a hint of that peace that we have, they're like, oh, I want that. I need that. I need that kind of wisdom and discernment in my life. I need a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. And then we get to sit down and say, well, it, it's not that I'm smarter. It's just that I know the one who's in charge of all things. And I know he loves you too. So our battles, as hard and exhausting as they are, are often more spiritual than they appear. And our knee-jerk reaction it's just react and, and solve them with earthly solutions. But God says, rely on me, turn to me, and I'll walk you through it. The ends don't justify the means. And so using battered and sinful strategies, even with good intent, is not our best choice. We just want to turn to the Lord and allow his grace to make us strong enough to choose him, to stay with him, to walk with him through it. Because we know that King Jesus has come as one of us. And he set us free from our sin as we trust in him. 
that he desires to do that for all people. That no one would perish, but all would come to repentance and come into relationship with him. And as we trust him in those moments of battle, we experience the power and wonder of what his grace and might can do. And in the peace we experience with him, we become that peaceful refuge, a glimpse of it at least, for the people around us as they experience God's kingdom growing even in the midst of the chaos of this world. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today and acknowledge that you are great and mighty and awesome and you are among us. Lord, we need you. In our battles, sometimes we're compelled to prove to you that we can do this on our own, that we know what to do, that we're smart enough, that we learned enough, that we're disciplined enough. But Lord, we pray that you would break through that and help us recognize that you always just want us to come to you. That we were made to be dependent on you. That is better when we submit to you. And we want to start our responses in conversation with you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through the truth of your word. We pray that you administer to us in the chaos of our situations. Some of us are here today with heavy burdens. We feel like any moment the weight of all of them might crush us and we don't know. But Lord, help us see you at work in the midst of it. As you said in your word, even in this text, that those who see would really see that our eyes would no longer be closed, that our ears would listen. We pray that you would open us up to a deeper understanding of who you are and what you are doing. That you, we, you would equip us by your spirit and through your word to trust you in all things. That your grace would make us strong in Christ Jesus. And that through that, Lord, your work would continue, your kingdom would grow as other people experience what your kingdom does in our lives, that they would want to see that in theirs as well. Do your work in us, for us, through us, and among us. That you would be glorified. In Jesus' name.